Algar Productions. Algar Productions. You are listening to the Post-Atomic Horror Podcast with Ron Algar-Watt and Matt Robotham. Episode 241, covering State of Flux and Heroes and Demons with Brian Lynch. Hi, friends. Here's a thing we didn't expect. We like both episodes this week. They were both pretty good. Yeah, know. also Brian is here and he concurs. I don't know what to do. I don't know how to react. No, I'm just kidding. I've been saying season one of Voyager is good this whole time. I, I, I don't know good, but it's way better than I've expected. So. Yeah, no, I was ex- like, I went into this expecting, you know, origi- or, uh, you know, TNG season one levels of crappiness and uh, maybe some racism thrown in on the side. See, I wasn't expecting the racism. That was a fun surprise. Uh-huh. But I also <laughs> was expecting season seven of Next Gen. Like, I was expecting every episode to be a uh, 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 force of nature. Mm-hmm. Oh, good Lord. Not, uh, Let, not Justice Planet. Let's not go crazy. Yeah. But I'm saying bad in that way, in that in that polished, we're just repeating ourselves over and over and over again way. And then an evil cloud brought all of our nightmares to life, and we had to face down our inner fears. Well, that's, and then sincerely, that's season two. Sincerely, Brandon Braga. Uh-huh. The, their, their fears are played by Michael McKean in clown makeup. Oh, Lord. Uh, he puts Harry uh, in a guillotine. Uh, that's something. I don't dislike is it Harry. something? It's, I'm starting to dislike Harry. That episode um, is very much... Can we do Q yet? I don't think we can do Q yet. I don't think we can get away with Q yet. Let's get a substitute Q in here. <laughs> well, and Michael McKean's a pretty Q good is a clown? Q. I don't know. Michael McKean's a pretty good substitute Q. He would, like, he's he would, a better substitute Q than Cyrano Jones was a, the, a substitute uh, Harry Mudd. Yes. Yeah, I'll buy that. In any case. Hey, Cyrano Jones gave us friend Kirk, so. That is true, which to this day I still uh, paraphrase. There we go. But... In let's talk case, about this show that we're watching. Let's do it. And the first one is called State of Flux, which sure sounds like a stinker, but it, it wasn't. More like State of Flux. What? No. No? All right. Brian, what do you That doing? was bad, and you should feel bad. I'm going raw. All right. We're going to the cornfield. Aw, I don't like the cornfield. Or as Chakotay calls it, the maze field. <laughs> oh, it's a corn maze? Those are fun. Yes. Like at the county Sometimes. fair. Right. Or or a maze maze. Or or the county unfair. <laughs> yes, Lisa, that's what I meant. It's because it's because there's because there's no exit to the corn maze and there's a minotaur in the middle. Right. And a guy with a banjo. Oh, it's always banjos in the Delta Corps. Get me a time banjos machine. I've got to go down. to a pitch meeting at UPN. So state of flux. So noted plank of wood and bag haver Chakotay leads an away mission to pick some berries on a planet because seriously, we're in absolutely no hurry to get back to the Alpha Quadrant. This is really becoming the new stop going through the wormhole, isn't it? As he gathers the folks to ba- back to return to the Voyager, they notice that someone is missing, and that someone is Seska, the former Maquis engineer who just last week was the devil on Balana's shoulder when all that talk of mutiny was happening. But surely that's not relevant now. Chicote finds her in a cave where they are attacked by those goddamn ridiculous Kazon fellows from the pilot, whom we're meant to believe are our new arch enemies. Who knows, though? Maybe they'll fix them in the next spinoff like they did with the Ferengi. For now, though, they're still goddamn ridiculous. Later, the Voyager intercepts a distress call from some more horrible Kazon, and we discover that someone on the Voyager must have shared Federation technology with them. But who on the Voyager could it be? 
<laughs> as there are literally only two suspects, and the other one is that Doogie Hauser looking dude in engineering who got superseded as chief engineer when Janeway appointed Bellana, we basically have a 50-50 chance of guessing. And since only one of those people was a Maquis, who are, lest we forget, known criminals, that makes it pretty easy. <laughs> oh, also, I forgot to mention that Seska stole some soup earlier, so yeah. That's the thing about Star Trek. You know that shit's about to get real when soup is involved. So it does indeed turn out that the untrustworthy criminal committed the untrustworthy crime. Only in a surprise twist, we discover that Seska was actually an undercover Cardassian trying to infiltrate the Maquis in an effort to destroy them. Also, I guess she was dating Chakotay? But I barely noticed that since, well, I was going to say you can't spell Robert Beltran without bland. But unless his middle initial is D, that's not actually true. Damn it, Chakotay, you can't even be properly boring. You're just the worst. Actually, no, Tom Paris is still the worst. Anyway, Seska escapes with the Kazon, so hooray, they'll both presumably be back at some future time. I can hardly contain my anticipation. Wait, not contain, find. <laughs> to yep. be fair, I like Seska. I just, the Kazon. I do, I, it was a good one. I, I cannot wait for the uh, the fourth season cliffhanger episode where she comes out of the shadows and goes, Cardassians are always turning up when you least expect them. <laughs> I hope, well... Like a bad penny, which is an actual expression that I don't know what it means. No. No, you know, I don't bad either. pennies. Pennies are always spoiling in your pocket. <laughs> yeah, that is that is true. you got to look at the expiration date. You think that's the mint date, but it's the actual expiration date. It is, yeah. Date. And they don't taste like mint at all. No. Um, okay, I think, I think I got one. Yes? You said you can't spell Robert Beltran without bland, yes. and that made me start doodling on an index card. Oh, Lord. Brat Rebel Torn? Mm. Well, you can't spell Robert Beltram without Brat Rebel Torn, as you all know. Or, I don't know, something with a boat, maybe? <laughs> Can you spell bag? Um, yeah, because you need a bag. Boat. <laughs> Let me tell you about bag. my bag. Boat relent. Yeah. I, I've just got two no. R's and a B left no, over. I, th- this, is, this, is <laughs> this is not a fruitful conversation. No, it's not. Um, but in any case, I wanted to... I wanted to uh, clarify there at the end that I do look forward to seeing Seska again. I just mm. think the Kazon are stupid and terrible. Yeah, yeah agree. They're, 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 I get pissed off every time those motherfuckers show up. They're, it's only been twice now. And I, that's I twice know, he's gotten pissed off. Them. And they're, they have gross coral hair. Yeah, they do. Oh, their hair is so weird. Is it like, right? like the designer said, hair? what's the one thing we haven't done yet? Hair, I guess? Is it hair? Is it coral? Like, what's happening? It looks like... Is I, it hardened bone? Okay, People are going to laugh at me who are familiar with with the marijuana, but it looks like certain weed things that I don't know what they are. Oh, wow! Yeah, like the stuff you see on the cover of High Times. Right, and exactly. You're like, oh, I don't know what that weed. stuff is. That thing but looks yeah, like controls disease penis. That's yeah, not the weed. I'm going not the, blue not this the week. green leafy part, but the rest of it. Yeah, yeah. That's what it looks like. That when you roll it up and like. smoke it like a cigarette. And yes, their uh, and their foreheads look like Klingons that have gone bad. Like they're like squishy. <laughs> Well, well, we uh, uh, Matt unfortunately was uh, indisposed and, and missed the, uh, oh, the pre-episode screening. But as you and I were watching, the word "taint" escaped your lips about a their, dozen times. Their foreheads look like uh, a and some sort of inflamed perineum. <laughs> so yeah, they just they, they look like Afro Klingons. If like, you'll re- if you'll recall uh, Vincent Price's well-known apple he- um, wilted apple head dolls. Oh, of course, those well known. <laughs> yes. yes, they used to advertise them in, uh, you know, issues of Jonah Hex from 1984. Vincent Price's wilted apple head is also what my wife calls my genitals. If indeed I have Sarah? one, I think I might be gay. 
Eric, actually, is have, that you? I have no idea. <laughs> stop. Yes, no, Spock. Stop it. Damn it. Spock, no, now he's British. My son. It's okay. Nope. Spock, I'm your father. No, now, now, now it's uh. Spock, oh, please join me back on the planet Vulcan for mysteries. <laughs> oh, that's much better. Yep. He sounds like Boris Karloff. <laughs> You're a mean one, that's, Mr. Uh, Kirk. That's actually Thurl Ravenscroft. Is it? Oh fuck! So it is. How could you forget good old Thurl? He's <laughs> What's wrong with it? It's Thurl. I thought it was Thurl. I thought he was a Thurl Ravenscroft. Son Thurl. of a bitch. He's always crofting his ravens very thoroughly. Yes, he's amazing at it. Yep. So how far off uh, Voyager are we going to get here? Uh, it's pretty. This is a good one. Usually usually it, is. it gets off topic yeah. in the bad ones. No, I'll, I, I'll I say my good thing like if you want. Yeah, That'll go ahead. That'll put us on topic. Uh, there's a great science gals moment with Janeway and Torres, and I know that's been yeah, a good is. thing a few times, but not by me, so I don't care. Mm-hmm. Um, and, oh, I still uh, love that dynamic. It's mm-hmm. great. Torres tells Janeway something will be ready tomorrow, and this it's they're setting up a regular captain engineer thing and jane was like i'll need it by the end of the day and taurus is like uh i just told you i'll have it tomorrow and i meant it why would i say that if i could do yeah. it sooner and well, yeah, other was, guys might mean they can do it today and they don't want to but i really mean i can't do it till it's tomorrow. like that scene I, with jordy and scotty except taurus is not being weasley about it yeah. um, and she's saying it directly to the captain's yeah. face and then instead no, it, of being like harumphy about it jane was like yeah girl get it <laughs> no it actually it feels like um, the whole uh, you, you tell the chief engineer to do it faster thing is just something that Janeway's been wanting to try out for a while. <laughs> You're well, spoiling my excuse me. Well, all the other captains did it, so I suppose I should do it. This <laughs> is a kind of captain of uh, C- captain chief engineer hazing we do. <laughs> you, you think they go to special captain school to learn those tricks? Like uh... I, I'm sure they go to special captain school. And if your if your guy tells you, you captain, you need to see this, you yell at them because no, tell me what it is. Use your words. It's right Captain, you better get down and see this. What's so exciting about the doctor not having an arm? I don't know. That's pretty exciting. I was in the bathroom, for Christ's sake. I'm pretty sure we can just make him a new arm. You know, I don't have a private bathroom anymore. Fucking Neelix chased me out of it. <laughs> Neelix is making toilet wine in her he private s- bathroom. He said he was going to build a still. He's making Pruno. Oh, God. I shouldn't uh, have to deal with that for another 20 years. Yeah, it's probably an Oink B reference. So, uh, yeah. No, but uh, there there was there was some fun. Actually, in both episodes, there was some fun. More of that uh, Blana uh, Janeway thing, and I'm glad it's not just like one writer's vision. I'm glad that yeah. everyone's sort of on board with that. Yep. There's two characters I never expect to, to connect. You know, like yeah, Blana and Janeway. Like I would not have if you had told me going in. Yeah, these guys are gonna have a kind of a cool relationship. I never would have believed you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I would have smacked you in the face and called you a filthy liar. Really? I would have lit you on fire and fed you to the dogs who have fireproof mouths for just such an occasion. I would have just (laughs) shaken my head and said, no, I don't believe you. No, I would have gotten violent. I would have gotten incredibly angry. Apparently so, both of them. I would have hopped back in time and had sex with your mother so that I could become your father and disown you. Wow. Wow. Also, no more time travel. Come on, seriously. (laughs) I know we all want it to be Scott Zielko's perfect episode time and again. <laughs> that was uh, the same director as this one, I think. Yeah, but those directors, they, they literally just draw them out of any hat. Like, that doesn't count. Any hat? Yes, any hat. If they haven't dropped them. Um, yeah, no, he, he's a good one, though. If I, I was looking him up. If you look at his, uh, his Next Generation career, it's like nonstop classics. Mm-hmm. And then his Deep Space Nine career is like decent episodes like, of the week. And I'm like, okay, well, there you go. 
No, I, I'm pretty sure most of the house directors just get whatever's ready next. Like, I was just watching... Actually, there's some pretty cool clips on YouTube of the various people who played the captains talking oh, about nice. what their favorite episodes are. And Patrick Stewart was talking about his favorite episode is one that he directed. Yep. And he's like, but but that's just a coincidence because it's the luck of the draw. You just get the next episode. It's just I like the script and it I was, got direct it. It was a good episode. That was uh, the, the full of data. data. No, um, that's not bad. That's not a bad one. No, no, it was no, it, uh, in theory. Oh yes, you were correct. Yes, yeah, it's the only theory? one he directed. So, uh, Who data gets girlfriend. Full of data's. I thought. Uh... Did Brent Spiner direct it too? Yeah, probably. That would be amazing. No, I think I the only the time... I want to do the entire episode, and I also want to be everyone on the episode, and also I own, I'm going to do my own makeup. No, Whenever um, Data's not on screen, everybody should be asking, where is Data? Where is oh, no, he did direct a fistful of Data's. I thought so. But um, when they did the uh, the Captain's Choice uh, DVD set, where the, each captain chose their favorite episode yeah, and they put them on DVD, yeah. in theory was the one that made it on there for him. Ah, I so. see. Yeah, which one's in theory? Data that's Gets a Girlfriend. Your... Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, that is a good I, one. I will delete that program. Mm-hmm. Oh, man. Now I'm sad. That's that's your flute solo, I know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's a good flute solo. It'd be uh, great if Data played the flute about... at the end of that episode. Oh, mm-hmm. man. Matt, what was your good thing about this episode? I'm going to say this because I have never and probably will never have anything good to say about Chakotay. Um, I really enjoyed his utter exasperation when he found out that no one on the crew was loyal to him. This is actually my quote. Oh, perfect. When he discovers that, because it is a great moment where he's like, oh, my God. And, and then he says this. You were working for her. Sesco was working for them. Was anyone on board that ship working for me? Which is just fantastic. Something, there, something really delightful. speaks to me about the idea that not even the Maquis want to be Maquis. <laughs> <laughs> now, oh, this, is, sake. this is the last time they need to do this, though. Like, if they mm. do it again, yeah. then I'm going to, you know, then I'm going to be annoyed. But, when do yeah. we get to take a shower? I'm tired of all these barrels smoking up the bridge. Uh, we need more barrels. No, we'll scare Worf away. <laughs> well, Worf, Worf would never be a Maquis. Come on. I mean, he did a lot of terrible things. But, uh. He'd be the worst undercover Maquis. He'd go on wearing, like, a fake mustache over his real mustache. <laughs> <laughs> but the corners of his real mustache would be poking out from underneath. Yes, I am the great Klingon Borf. Morf. <laughs> I, I will say... I am Borf, Kikote. son of Moog. <laughs> I will say Chakotay was written better in this episode than he yep. has been so far, but my bad thing mm-hmm. was I still think Robert Beltran is terrible because yep. it was, uh, as my note says here, this was a solid Chakotay script, and he has no presence or charisma whatsoever. No, dude, this is your episode. This is where you start, like, we start learning stuff about you. That isn't, like, this that isn't should be lazy the episode white people where... writing about Native Americans, yes. Yeah, exactly. This is where we start learning about what it, like, you know, you do this episode because it's like, this is what, you know, this is what he was like on his own ship as a, you know, as his own captain. Right. And we definitely should be learning about that because he had a life before he got here. Yeah. These are the, like, this is a woman he has been sleeping with still. Like, we're only just hearing about. And she turns out to be a spy. This should be your episode, man. Yeah. And you just spend it just like, eh. He's got, like, a couple moments that hint at what he could be. Mm-hmm. And I, I don't I think know if the actor's bad or if he's just kind of phoning it in. I can't tell you. I think I, I mean he seems like he's probably a pretty decent actor who's just not working well with what he's given, and that's partly because most of what he's given has been pretty lousy. That's, that's true. true, but Matt does make a good point that this episode, like this script, yeah, this should be his time. Had too. an opportunity and he he blew it. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. No, man, you take something like this. You're you're just starting the series. This is your this is your first like 
yeah, your, your defining moment. Yeah. So you know you rock this thing, and you know the writers are going to see that you're worth write, writing more episodes about. Yeah. This is the kind of episode but, Denise Crosby could have used. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But instead, it's just like, meh, whatever. Yeah. I'm. I feel so betrayed by your betrayal. I mean, Tuvok has way more emotions than uh, than Chakotay does. Yeah. That's just sad. And not even like, why does Tuvok have emotions? He's not supposed to. They're perfect Vulcan emotions. Yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> annoyance and annoyance. There's a great bit. <laughs> is this anyone's good thing? I'm not stepping on this. What do you Where, got? Uh, specifically when uh, Chakotay talks to him. And nope. uh, No, it was a part of my, uh, mine, but... Uh, yeah, yeah. But um, he... Uh, Tuvok's like, um, the, the demands on a Vulcan's character are considerable. Please do not mistake our calmness for comfort. How may I be honest with you today? And I'm like, <laughs> that is a really good approach to why he, a Vulcan, could lie his ass off for two years. No, and I really like, there's also a great bit where Chakotay says, uh, so did you know she was a spy? And he's like, nope. And, and Chakotay says, that makes me feel better. And Tuvok says, uh, curious, when one of us didn't spot her, it was okay, but two of us fucked up and now you feel better? Mm-hmm. Fucking that was humans. Good, that's, that, but that's a good way to see it. Like I, I don't, I never looked at it that way before. But it's a, it's a good way f- for an outsider to wait a minute. That makes it worse that we're both bad at our jobs. Yeah. <laughs> well, Tuvok, as the old Earth legend of High School Musical goes, we're all in this together. Blink, blink. That's a song. I am, from un- the, I am uh, unfamiliar with your High School Musicals. That's a song from the film High School Musical, directed uh, by Kenny Ortega, the director of Newsies. <laughs> Gotta always comes back to newsies. With that dude wow, likes pretty big, dancing boys. Wow, on the big list of stuff I don't give a shit about. Pretty high. Really? Yep. High I mean, school musicals and new musical and newsies? Yeah, that's that's up there. Christian Christian Bale is in it. That's something. I know. But there are there are there he tries to dance. I can it's watch adorable. Christian Bale in. Many of them he's dressed as Batman. But there's no movies where he's playing a cowboy with a Brooklyn accent. I'm pretty sure that was implied in American Psycho. That, I mean, that's obvious. If you thought his accent was shaky when he was an adult, wait till you see it as a teenager. <laughs> so my good thing for yes. this episode of Star Trek Voyager, what we watched. <laughs> um, I thought this was another decent character-driven episode. Like I said mm-hmm. before, like mm-hmm. I like it when it's not about the stupid sci-fi twist and when it's about the guys and it, this was about the guys. I like that we got to know Seska a little bit. She was in four or five episodes before this big reveal. She wasn't yeah. like, oh, she's been here all along and dun, dun, dun. She's the betrayer. And like, I, I like that. And it was a solid way to bring in an Alpha Quadrant guy without just like, oh, here's a Cardassian ha- hanging out on this planet. Like, no, yep. she came along with them. So it's okay. There yeah, no, I, the, the character herself is fascinating to me, yeah. you know, and she has been since she first started becoming. I think like, she's a little too, like, I think the actor's a little too, over the top, like I think oh, yeah. she's not I, uh, subtle. I kind of liked it. As soon as she was found out, she's like, "Finally, I get to talk like a Cardassian again, Major." Oh, see that I liked. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, she turned completely into uh, she turned completely into uh, Muhu Hai. Yeah, I, yeah, I see. Her, uh, her I see who, you wrote that here, Muhu Hai. Her who me eyes for most of the episode are pretty. Well, they're pretty unbelievable for one thing. Were we supposed like, to think it wasn't her at any point? I see. I was. We were talking about this before. the The DS Nine move would have been to make Carrie the uh, yeah the betrayer because you would not see that coming at all. Like with like they did with Eddington. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But here it's the obvious person, the soup thief. Yep. Like the person who has done bad things, who came from the Maquis crew, 
is the bad guy. Well, yeah, obviously. The person whose uniform somehow has black and white stripes, a mask, and a little beanie. <laughs> it was Here, a, I brought was, you the soup, Robble Robble. Yes, I'm Lieutenant Beagle Boy. It was just a, uh, it was just a malfunction with the replicator. <laughs> He'll never suspect the truth. <laughs> I always, I also thought it was strange that she tied Harry Kim to the railroad tracks. In face. <laughs> but there you go. Well, he is a damsel. I thought it was I, strange that she pretends that she's going to uh, go have sex with Harry Kim when Chakotay turns her down. Because no. <laughs> Oh, I, no. I don't think she's meant to be taken seriously there. Oh, really? You're going to shoot me down? Well, I guess I'll go to sleep with Harry Kim. And he's like, no, you're not. You're not. No one is going to No one is going to have sex with Harold Kim. Oh, excuse me, Harold is he, Kim. Is, is he the sexy one? I forgot. Oh, no, that's Tom Paris. I mean, like, unless you're, like, he's the, the kid. Can we just, like, can we just flat out say this? Harry Kim is nine years old, right? He, the thing is, he's cute. Yeah, when he's a cute our... nine-year-old. No, he's he's of age. No, he's he's you know he's he's a '90s hot guy. He's he'd yeah. fit in on a on a TGIF show. No, I as I, the main I... character's friend because he's not white. Right, mm-hmm. but I said this before. He's with the floppy hair and all. He's very much the the Asian version of like that guy who played the Rocketeer or like Billy Zane or like one of those guys. Yeah, like with the you know, the, he's cute. Like he he's sh- just cute. What I should, he should have a middle name that's another first name, like Jonathan Taylor Thomas. Yeah, exactly. oh, his last name is also a first name. It's it's yeah. Harold. Harry, Wait a minute. So yeah. is Zachary Ty Bryan. Those oh home improvement God. kids had nine names, and eight of them were first names. I don't oh. know. I, Wait. I, so is Ken Allen. Wait a minute. Yeah. We're breaking this shit wide open. This is gonna blow their minds. <laughs> Fuck. What was Wilson's real name? Shit. Uh, Earl Hindman. The the volleyball. Yeah. Two first names. <laughs> I don't know Home Improvement, you guys. I also never saw Blossom or The Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. This has been oh, The Post Adamacore with Ron Algarwatt and Hindman Matt Robotham. <laughs> so, um, bad things. Brian, you go first. Uh, okay, um, why does everyone give Neelix so much shit in the opening scene when they're finding food on the planet? <laughs> oh, wah, wah. he's trying to find us nutritious things to eat, but I think they're icky when I take a random bite out of a raw one. Grow the fuck up, Chakotay. He's, he, and think about the other crew members. I bet Tuvok would love a bloodworm tartar, and so would Belana, because her people. And then Seska exploits Neelix's caring nature to steal from him by staging a fake morale crisis so she could take food out of the kitchen, steal from Neelix, no, 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 steal from the entire crew, steal food from their very mouths to make Chakotay soup. And then, and then, in Neelix's official capacity as Delta Quadrant Guide, he says, hey, this sect of Kazons are notoriously violent and treacherous, and they ignore him and go over there anyway, and look what happens. You know what? I think- Fuck it, Neelix is my new good thing. I don't like the guy, but he does not deserve this sort of shabby treatment. I do like that uh, Janeway appears to have developed a diplomatic way of saying, yeah, shut up, Neelix. We don't care. <laughs> like, she's very polite about it. Yeah. But it is so clear she is not taking any of his advice under advisement. She's just like, uh-huh, whatever. All right, I think we're done here, Mr. Neelix. Well, I'm right. One of these days, all of you are going to have your heads nailed to the wall of a Kazon ship. This is not a good Neelix impression. I, I told you though, do the goofy white guy voice, and you're pretty pretty close. Like we can tell who you're who you're doing. He's, hello, he's I am more, white guy white. Hello, hello, Kess. I'm Neelix. I'm your boyfriend. Remember looking, that. No matter what anybody look, says or how you personally I'm feel about it. I'm looking forward to having sex with you, Kess. Uh, because no, I, we are in a romantic relationship. I, I, I somebody stole my fucking mushrooms. <laughs> I do think that 
again, stopping to pick berries might not be the best use of your 75-year trip home. Now, you you mentioned that in the, your summary, and I actually disagree. I think stuff like this is a good use of stopovers. Like, they're, I quite they're, agree. They're, they're there to get food and supplies. That makes a lot of sense to me. Really? Like, it's, the whole yeah, point of having no, a chef. Yeah, no, this, I'm with you. Yeah, yeah okay. they're stopping at this planet f- to get food. Yeah, but they have food. They just want better food. No, they need, like, they're, they're like... They're not out of food. They're not out of food yet, but they're also exploring, like, areas of space that they're completely unfamiliar with. And I completely this, uh, am fine with them grabbing, you know, like... Some, yeah, if like, you find something edible, if you find an M-Class planet full of rotten berries, <laughs> then, uh, yeah, but I if you're that there, joke from Futurama. Um, if you're there anyway, sure. But, but they're making... I think, it, I think like, it's a decent reason to, like, not open yeah. with every single episode is... Voyager getting stopped on the way someplace if they're already stopping off here and there. And yeah, that's true. We also, now, it was confirmed in this episode, which we've been wondering about, or which you've been wondering about and I've been listening to, um, that the replicators use a tremendous amount of energy because yeah. that's what messes up that Kazon ship that they unwisely go over to help mm-hmm. is that Seska tried to give them a replicator and they installed it wrong and it killed everybody but one person on the ship. Well, because yeah, of its I mean, massive killed energy them, feedback. Brutally killed them. Yeah, it it it, it turns it them into changes, the freaking eternity wall. It changes uh, energy into matter, which mm-hmm. is, if I understand correctly, the reverse of what the atom bomb does. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, a little powerful. Replicators are reverse atom bombs. Yeah, think about that the next time you yell at it about your soup, you fucking Tom Paris. Uh, <laughs> I'm I'm cussing up a storm this episode. Sorry about that. Uh, that's fine. I noticed. <laughs> Um, Just don't play this for your uh, for your students. Play, play, play this for my sixth graders. Yeah, that'd be fine. Uh, let's see. Bad thing, bad thing, good thing. Yeah, we, we pretty much like, covers I, everything. It's like I agree with you for like in the next episode where they're just investigating something for no reason. I'll see. Now that cool. No, be, no yeah. that I agree with because Captain Science. Yeah, mm-hmm. and she, because it might increase their um, energy production. Right. Yep. Which would get them home faster. But she totally also abuses her power of we go where I say we go because I'm the mom. I want to look at cool things. Yeah. Anytime she sees a sciencey thing, she's like, we're stopping. Me, me and Balana are going to go hang out for a while. Yeah, you guys all stay here. Maybe we'll bring Harold Kim with us. We're going to look at swirly things in jars. Captain, are we going to stop at every goddamn roadside attraction we see on the way home? Yes, yeah, right. Stuckies. Have to stop by, I have to see the biggest ball of twine in the Delta Quadrant. Are we going to spend literally half the day at the Wax Museum? Sorry, that's a very specific reference that only two people are going to get anyway. <laughs> ah, hello, Captain. Have you seen my giant ball of twine? It is my very giant pleasurable. ball of pleasure. <laughs> have you seen the world's biggest thimble? I realize that is pretty useless designation because it's basically a large cup. I mean, it's this world's biggest. You I could mean, go to a different world and probably see a bigger thimble. When it gets to a certain size, can you practically call it a thimble anymore? It is a large statue of a thimble. I don't know why I'm going into so much detail. <laughs> I have, I have lost a sale, haven't I? <laughs> we should stop putting all of this in our pamphlet. It really loses us a lot of business. No Man, dog food for I, Victor tonight. <laughs> I am not good at my job. Going All to right. go back to having weird hair hoops again. Uh, still better than Kazon hair, though. It's true. <laughs> oh, Kazon hair. Yep. You're uh, talking about the Kazon captain. Oh, I'm sorry, the first Maj, whatever the hell that means. <laughs> oh, it's like a major, but, you know, that, spacey. That bothered me so much. The, the guy comes on, he's like, I am the first Maj of the Kazon history. I'm like, so you're the 
captain or the president or no i think that's a really low rank and he's trying to sound impressive because they don't know the difference they don't know that that there's 12 mages and the higher the number gets the better you are so i'm going to tell them i'm first mage they're going to think it's impressive all of you just keep cool that guy was a pretty good actor though if if there's one thing i know it's the higher the fewer yeah (laughs) good lord he had a uh he had he had a good exchange with janeway because janeway was doing her badass thing and he was he was and she was doing it very well yeah he's he's good he's a um uh, he's a a sword guy uh for Mm -hmm. most movies Mm -hmm. um he was he was matt you've seen uh, masters of the universe right no no what the hell was wrong with that I wasn't that's, a big He-Man really, guy growing up. Oh, and, check it out. It's insane. Uh, yeah, but uh, for those of you who are listening, that it, it just went on Netflix, which is why I had this in my mind. Uh, but he played uh, Blade, the one human that works for Skeletor. Because, you know, if you think of He-Man bad guys, you think of a name like Blade. I, that's Blade or was, was he there to slay Skeletor's vampires? Like, uh, Well, he was a bad guy, so he'd be slaying He-Man's vampires. Right. And I wish He-Man and, had vampires working for him. Uh, and he, he also taught Harrison Ford and Michelle here. Pfeiffer how to use whips. Hmm. So, there you go. Oh, and he was in Roadhouse. Oh, well, Mike so, Nelson's there you a go. fan of him, then. Huge, uh, <laughs> huge celebrity, this guy. You talking yeah. about Crow T. Robot's favorite movie? Yes. <laughs> okay, so anything else about State of Flux before we move on to... Uh, I think I'm good. I mean, it was it was a solid one, good solid it was. episode. Yeah, character driven stuff, and I didn't like. Unfortunately, I did see the twist coming because I saw this in its first run, and I knew when we saw Seska. Oh yeah, that's the secret Cardassian. But it was still yeah. I no, did. someone I forget who someone told me might have been me. It might have been. I I actually kind of wish I didn't know that because I would have liked to have yeah. seen that. Uh, you know, go like not seen that coming. Yeah, I, d- yeah I, I did not remember that. And I watched when I watched the season for the first time and developed my opinion that it's a good season, uh, I skipped these two episodes because right. I was going to watch them for the show, and I figured, whatever, I'll come back to them later. And um, I did notice that Seska just stopped turning up. Yeah, but as you said, Carrie also stopped turning up. So <laughs> yes, it, he the, did. The, uh, the, the um, tension could there like, could still have been uh, well, we're, because... We're done with supporting away. characters now. Man, I'm going to miss Carrie. I started thinking of him as, like, the, the low-rent uh, version of Chief O'Brien. Yeah, I could see that. Chief well, Ma- Chief Niles O'Brien, Miles O'Brien's brother. He doesn't, uh... <laughs> Does the same job. Chief Only Kilometers not O'Brien. Not famous. Yeah, he's not in charge. Did you guys hear when I said Chief Kilometers O'Brien? Yes. All right, just checking. <laughs> Trying to ignore it. <laughs> I don't know if you noticed. Um, yeah, no, he doesn't show up again until season seven, so, you know. No, I and I what I like about him is he complained about Bellana the one time and I thought that was going to be his thing but then he mm-hmm. sucked it up and did his job yeah and, he's a professional but he also seems like not a full on like Ensign Sad Sack Sad Sack <laughs> but he does seem a little sort of I don't know he was really scared and intimidated when they brought him in and questioned him oh, yeah he, he was peeing his jumpsuit and I like that I he just he seems kind of like he keeps his head down and does his job and he doesn't want the important people to bother him and he like, had that great like yeah. he walks into Janeway's boring ass ready room and he looks around and it's like captain first officer security guy and he's like oh fuck am I gonna have to clean up my desk but I didn't even he, do anything also I he, didn't have a desk it, I've got a, he, I've got joined, a he joined Voyager and was planning to transfer off after the first mission and go to like like a desk job on a starbase somewhere he's two weeks from retirement yeah, it's exactly. gonna be easy times for Carrie from now on out excuse me Matt the Voyager Ugh. I'm, I'm, getting, I'm keeping it there I'm gonna That's say fine. it as much as I possibly can that's fine. Listen, right. it's, it's, he's going to keep saying Harold. The Enterprise, the Defiant, the Voyager. The Voyager. Yeah. Featuring Ensign Harold Kim. 
Let's, the, we're the not there yet, but let's the wait. The most important ensign that ever there was. Let's wait until you get we get to your uh, your special nickname for Chakotay that you have yet to unveil. Oh, yes. That'll be fun. You want to talk about characters whose names I don't want to write out over and over again? Damn. It's de- he's definitely the new Bever. Yeah. In any case, I think mm. it's time to press forward to what I thought I was sure... Because when I read the summary, like the little synopsis, yep. it said, Harry Kim, the holodeck fails when Harry Kim does a thing. Like, oh boy. I chose this episode because I thought it would be dumb. I was yeah, like, I'm going to choose summary. a dumb old episode. And, and I, was, I read the summaries and I'm like, oh, well, well let's, let's, let's get into it. Yes, tell us. All right, so the Voyager is on the way home and, oh, no, never mind. They're in the middle of one of their trademark course adjustments. Sure, we've got a whole galaxy to fly through, but Janeway noticed somebody jangling some keys 12 light years to the left. <laughs> now we have to go investigate. Now, it's actually a weird star that has the potential to amp up their energy projection, so they've got an excuse. Janeway and Torres, the science gals, are on the case, but they need a third hand. Or a sixth hand and a fifth hand. So they decide to call Harold. Makes sense. I mean, you've got a chief engineer and someone who's so good at science they made her a captain, so what you really need is a 15-year-old communications major. Where's <laughs> Carrie? Oh, right. Anyway, the computer tells them that Harold isn't on the ship, nor is his purple crayon, but he was last seen in the holodeck, and... Oh, fuck, it's one of these. It seems weird Harold was off playing Beowulf, and somehow Grendel is eating up crew members and turning them into photonic energy. Talk about your deadly games. Uh, remember deadly games? That show was great. Only you talking about it all the time. The photonic beastie has uh, gotten a hold of three crew now, and no solid is able to stop it. If only we knew somebody who was made of photons. Hold on! Yes, it's the doctor being sent in after the missing morons, and it's actually not terrible. He balances his desire to be more of a real crew member with his trepidations about his first away mission, for lack of a better term, and even chooses a name, Schweitzer. Don't get used to it, he doesn't keep it. Apparently he had narrowed down to three names, which were presumably one other human and some alien, because that's what Star Trek does with lists of three things. (laughs) Inside the holodeck, the doctor manages to not only find the other crew members, but also have a little epic fantasy adventure. Romancing Princess Girlfighter, winning the trust of King Santa Claus, and battling the King's chief advisor, Chancellor I Am an Evil Chancellor. (laughs) Meanwhile, on Voyager, Tom Paris is annoying, and the photon alien flies around messing up computers like so much Kremzeek. In the end, it turns out that star from the beginning was alive because the Delta Quadrant, and it returns everybody completely untribbled by their experience. Uh, meanwhile, on Deep Space Nine, somebody planted a bomb in Garrick's sh- uh, shop. Literally. Literally, this exact same week. Odo investigated, and we had one of the best damn episodes that show ever had. Not this halfway. Oh. Anyway, I was going to make a joke about what happened in Deadly Games that week, but it got cancelled mid-season. Hey, remember Deadly Games? Only when you keep bringing it up. What the Fair fuck enough. is Deadly Games? I've it's never like, even heard of the show. Yes, Great you have. TV he talks show. about it every time he shows up. I talked about it once. No. Also, I may have sent you an email about it. Possibly. Well, mentioning it. It's a Brian, terrible me... UPN show. It's Brian, about a guy who makes a video game. podcast goes up so I can not listen to it. It's about a guy who makes a video game where all the bad guys are based on people from his real life. And then the video game comes to life. I thought that was that Chris Carter show where it was the military and, on the No, internet. that was different. That was pe- real people going into the video games. This is video game people coming out into the real world. So there's, like, his old boss who kills people by firing exploding pink slips at them. Oh, God. Or And the, the lead bad guy is his dad, played by Christopher Lloyd. Al, can we set fire to Deadly Games? I think what I want to do is go back in time and just blow up UPN altogether. That seems fine. Well, yeah. then we'd miss out on these surprisingly good episodes. 
Well, all right. I, Look, I, half a season of decent Star Trek is... That is a fair sacrifice. I'm okay with that. Yeah. But yeah, this, like, I seriously thought, oh boy, Holodeck goes wrong. Here we go. But, uh... Now, I as, I, as I settled in to watch this episode and found out that it was yet again rescuing Harry Kim from something <laughs> and a Holodeck adventure with Beowulf... Oh, Beowulf's fine. It's like, definitely it's different than what they usually do. Yeah, it, it just feels... seems like another Robin Hood or. Uh... Yeah, but you loved that one. I'm gonna say Robin Robin Hood is certainly a lot more culturally generic than Beowulf is, and well, they okay. put a lot more effort into it. All the supporting characters, I made up joke names for them, but they were all from Beowulf. Yeah, like the yeah. names all actually matched up with the equivalent characters in the legend, which yeah. that's yeah, you know, Be- they, they put the work in. Beowulf is a very significant story. It's like the first English language, like, epic story, right? Yep, that's true. It's, so it's, it's the oldest known work of English literature. Right. I'm just mad gold Angelina Jolie wasn't in it. Uh, okay, but... What, about, but uh, this... what about naked CGI Anthony Hopkins? No. Or naked <laughs> naked CGI Crispin Glover's rotten penis? Ooh, I forgot Crispin Glover was in there, too. <laughs> that was a weird-ass movie. I I'm some kind of a gremlin or something. Screenplay by Grendel, Neil Gaiman. Grendel. Yes, Grendel the Gremlin. <laughs> oh, Incidentally, I'm pretty sure Grendel is a uh, mob boss who wears a leotard. Okay. I don't follow that, but okay. Really? Wow. All right. Oh wait, that's the comic. Yeah. Yeah, that was like that was like the hot indie thing when I was just getting into comics again. Yeah. And it was, no, it was like right at the end of its run. It's, mm. it's the first English language epic like thing. Come on, no, no, man. no. It's it's a Matt Wagner comic. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> anyway, he fought uh, the Shadow and Batman. Come right, on. You know what? We're going back in time and blowing up the '90s. <laughs> Just all <laughs> no. of them. I will lose DS9 to get rid of the '90s. That's how much I hate the '90s. Don't worry. I'm pretty sure we can uh, we can stop the explosion with a lot of gack. Oh, God. Oh, we'll be able to go to that Nickelodeon gack fountain that they had. <sighs> I'll just say I don't know. <laughs> Me and Matt do. We're speaking our private language. Oh, and man. Someday we'll explain it all, like our legendary hero, Clarissa. Oh, God. Uh, knew her better from Sabrina. She was hot. Yes, yeah, she was. Anyway. Are you guys done now? Oh, uh, my good thing is that uh, the holodeck characters, mm-hmm. they react almost the exact same way to Chakotay and Tuvok and to the Doctor. Like, they say the same things, they hit all the same beats. It's a real nice touch. It, it gives an actual look into the holodeck works, because, let's be honest, the holodeck's always been super vague. Yep. Apart from the, the one Barclay episode where they go in and get everybody's introduction, I am the goddess of empathy and whatever, and those people didn't seem to be paying attention to them that much. In this case, you could see how a novel worked. When you enter, this lady throws a spear at you. Then she takes you to see her father. Then the Chancellor tells you to stop filling his head with lies and challenges you to a sword fight. These are all, like, points that Chakotay and Tuvok hit, and then the Doctor hits the same points and handles them a lot better. Yeah, they're like decision points in a choose-your-own-adventure kind of thing. Exactly, and it it also reinforced the point that these are regular holograms. These are not super-intelligent, self-aware Vic Fontaines. Right. But you still feel for them. Uh, the princess dies. She gets uh, she gets stabbed, mm-hmm. um, and the doctor is heartbroken. And it's not like he thought she was his equal or he was in love with her, but it was his first interaction with any sort of being who yeah. didn't know he was a hologram and treated him like anybody. Yeah, and well, so like really, he, he really feels it's because it. his people. Yeah. yeah, if you think about it, and he's like, you know, there but for the grace of 
the god of holograms. Which no, is not like a thing. <laughs> my good, my good thing. Felix, is I guess. All about the Doctor exploring a world for the first time. No, it's a nice sort of oh, continuation yes. of that arc we've started. Yeah, like the, there's this great shot when he first beams onto the holodeck, and the first thing he does is smell like. Uh, like a vine on a tree. Yeah, and like he feels the bark and like really like wraps his hand around it and grips it. Wait, he's never and left sick bay much. Yeah, the ship. yeah, he's like, holy shit, trees! I heard about. It's these. like this is yeah. the first time I've ever been well outside, and I love. I just love the way he is so fascinated by all of it. You know, there's probably and one bark. of Starfleet issue plants in yeah. his uh, in his oh, office, yeah. but other than that, and the way he sort of sort of throws himself into like being with the Viking guys. Like mm-hmm. there's that shot where he where he eats the, the elk for the first time. Yep. Yes, that's delightful. And he's like, oh pretty good. I like how the doctor ne- they dev- like the really predictable thing would be for him to be fish out of water, for him to not understand what's going on, and mm-hmm. for him to be bad at everything. And instead he rolls with everything. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They hand him the elk and he just eats it. Like and he sa- he meets Freya and he's like, oh, you must be Freya. Like he did his homework, he knows what he's doing and it's not that same stupid tired joke. Yeah. And yet he's not in character. He's still being a doctor because yeah. when he finds out that their berserker potion is made of poison mushrooms, he's like, you can't drink this. It will kill you. Yeah, maybe <laughs> you should stop doing that before you go into battle. <laughs> this is why half of you die every time. Yeah. Yes, but the ones who survive. <laughs> she, she literally says that. <laughs> yeah. She was great, too, by the way. Uh, that, that was maybe, my good Maybe thing. you'd be more effective fighters if you weren't firing out both ends. <laughs> no, my good thing was the the woman who plays Freya. She was good. Not just because she's attractive, but I mean, she was. She, she was, was a big Amazon of a woman. And yeah. She's really attractive. But she felt like a better caliber of actor than they typically get on Star Trek. Like, mm-hmm. you know, your guest stars of the week. I always talk about them being very TV caliber guys. She felt a little better than that. And her voice in particular. Like, yes, I, I liked. But. I liked her relationship with the doctor. I liked that she was a love interest without losing her, her agency for want of a better word. Like she was still a strong warrior and they didn't soften her when she let her hair down and, and got a little kissy face. She was still a strong warrior. No, she was mm-hmm. awesome. Yeah. Like this is a character who not only have we never seen before, but is also not real. And a, when she a died, fictional character in the fictional. Show. Yeah. And when she died, I was really upset. Yeah. And so mm-hmm. was the doctor. Also, I really like that uh, technically the doctor is the first one to get a love interest. Yeah. Yes. Chakotay's was pre existing. The doctor Mm -hmm. is the first one in this show as we started watching to meet someone involved, you know, not fall in love with them, but have. Yeah, but there there was definitely a romantic moment. I mean, it's probably one of the decision points. So maybe Harry got there first, but. Could be. You know, let's not think about that. Um, But really, he he, he found out about something he had to tell the captain and ran away. (laughs) Miss! Miss! I gotta go go tell Hrothgar about this. No relation, Uh, by the way. And she she was good, and you're right, she was a high-caliber guest star. She uh, she was on Babylon 5. Yeah, she also Um, apparently was... Who was she on Babylon 5? And uh, she was uh, some sort of rebel leader. Um, I mean, I'm not a big fan of Babylon 5. She was also on a little show called Deadly Games. Motherfucker. She was also in line to play the uh, first officer on Enterprise, but she mm-hmm. lost it to, what's her name, Jolene Blaylock. Uh, actually, mm. I found out this is an interesting fact about the guy that played uh, Unferth, the uh, the evil chancellor. Mm-hmm. He's one of the only actors in history who has been involved in um, the franchises of Star Trek, Star Wars, and Doctor Who. I There's like three, four people, maybe. I believe and, Mr. Uh, Simon Pegg is about to claim yep. a he triple was, crown. Yes, he is. Um... 
So because he was in he was in a Doctor Who episode, he was a bad guy in one of the Star Wars video games, mm. and uh, he was in this. And um, he's probably I'm gonna have to do some research into this. The only actor who was ever on Star Trek, Star Wars, Doctor Who, and Deadly Games. Yeah, you do that research, and we'll. I'm del- not joking. He played email. an evil yeah. orthodontist. Feel free and to she get his, back to us. Uh, he played email. an evil orthodontist, and she played his hygienist. Email email that information to smodcast at smodcast.com. <laughs> Somebody's got to care about Deadly Games, but it ain't us. No. Um, I'm bringing it back. No. Get a revival before Christopher Lloyd dies. You better hurry. <laughs> um, so, your bad thing, Brian. Uh, okay, and if it's yes. Deadly Games related, then I quit. It's not. I think I've used up all my Deadly Games trivia for this episode. Um, okay, so <laughs> here's the thing. The episode begins. Oh, no, Harry Kim is missing drama. You could have put the act break there. Oh, Harry Kim is not on the ship? What? Let's go, you know, figure it out. Wait, that's Deep Space Nine. Anyway, you could have done that, but you didn't. You have Tuvok and Chakotay go into the holodeck, and then they stand around and look at some trees. And then they cut to the opening credits, because apparently that's a cliffhanger. Yeah. Yeah. Like, oh, it's a holodeck. I wasn't expecting that. And then... (laughs) The first thing that happens when they cut back from the commercial is that Freya throws a spear at them. Yeah, that would have been a much Maybe throw the spear. Oh, halt, yeah. who goes there? Draw a sword. Mystery, drama, suspense. What's going to happen? That's still, I can't hum the Voyager theme. It doesn't come to me. No, is that that's the Voyager it. theme? That is the Voyager theme. That is the Voyager theme. Do you say that? You're right. They're on Honestly, honestly, neither. I'm hungry for pancakes. Yeah. Um, Matt, what was your bad thing? Uh, just the, the, the story really lags at the beginning. Like, uh, yeah. until the doctor shows up, I'm just sitting there like, uh, 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 <laughs> Yeah, but that doesn't take very long. It doesn't even take a full act, I would say. Mm. I also, um, I know Brian really enjoyed it, but God, I was worn down by the, by the identical interactions, uh, as the doctor's going through them. I'm just like, we've seen all of this. Okay, I like that they're identical. Brian does, did make a good point there, but you are correct. They could have shown us that without playing out the entire scene. Yeah, yeah. Maybe, maybe made those bits a little shorter. Yeah. Like, with some clever editing, you could have gotten the point across without mm. walking us through it twice. Yeah. Yeah. That's a fair point. But, okay, my, okay, this isn't my actual bad thing, but one of my bad things... Like, I liked a lot about this. Mostly yeah. Yeah. the Doctor stuff. Um, but you had this other plot with the sun is alive or something. And the yeah, holodeck that was... Is, I don't know. Somebody yeah. mentioned, I think it was Bob actually said, why doesn't the holodeck just have a big red off button every time this shit happens? Because it happens all the time. Yep. And, like, it just felt lazy. Like, that part of it where everyone in the holodeck is in danger and the, the safety protocols are uh, blah, blah, blah. Like, I feel like there's a way to tell the story without doing all that cliche crap. Yeah, no, I, there need, there just needs to be a big kill switch. Yeah, and I also feel like there's uh, th- there was a half-decent plot in these weird energy beings that came out of a star, but that did not tie in well to this at all. Yeah, they uh, the energy beings had, beings had a cool look to them, too. They did, they did yeah. They were kind of like, like a little wavery. They weren't like just like ball lightning or the kind of thing they usually do for that. They they, they glooped them up a little. Yeah. yeah. That but, shot when the door opens and like all those weird light tentacles start coming in and attacking the doctor. Oh yeah, yeah where the, the big wooden door throws yeah. open to the hall and yeah. 
and it yanks his arm off, which yeah, was pretty does, cool. It, it eats his his arm. Which, a great reaction from Robert Picardo too. Like, yep. like not really horrified, just like what? What did what? you do? What? Wait, what? Come on, my arm. Really? My what? great. Now my arms come off. How am I supposed to operate my digital watch now? <laughs> I actually, I was hoping. Tis but a scratch. I was hoping they'd go into that more as like, oh shit, this is something that can kill the doctor. Well, yeah. that was something. It was while it was a lot of it was silly holodeck danger episode. They did justify it a lot better than usual. Mm. There was a lot of like the doctor has to go in because he's photonic and yep. this is the way that somebody can safely go in. Okay, that makes sense. Now that I bought because he mm. is a This is not just the transporter does something stupid and randomly sticks people into the holodeck. This was, right. you know, yeah, a photonic alien is pretty dumb. But... They kept saying photonic energy, which is just light. Yeah, but like, it's, it's the Delta not Quadrant. something exotic. It's light. You I'm can trying do to make this photonic kind of energy stuff. happen. <laughs> and you're trying to make Harold happen, so yeah, yeah and succeeding. You're yeah. trying to make Deadly Games happen. Which of us do you think is going to have better luck? <laughs> yeah, Deadly Games stopped happening in the '90s when someone at UPN stopped happening after 12 episodes. Had a had a stopped clock moment where they were actually <laughs> right and said, "Whoa, why did we green light this? Cancel it." Uh, the first episode was directed by Leonard Nimoy. Okay, so so was Three Men and a Baby and Three Men and a Little Lady. That doesn't make it good. And one of those is both an of which were superior movie. to Deadly Games in every way. You've Probably. never seen Deadly Games. I probably have. <laughs> yeah, Al used to watch all kinds of garbage in the nineties. Yeah, no, I didn't actually. I just made that point earlier. I watched almost <laughs> nothing in the nineties. But UPN had a couple of uh, sci-fi-ish. Like they had a show called Nowhere Man that I tried to get into. No, oh, I remember. Nowhere they had a handful of shows that looked vaguely interesting to me that I tried when they first. My started. second favorite song based on a Beatles song. Uh, show what, based on a Beatles song. What, I fluffed that first? joke. Huh? Uh, me and Mr. Mustard. Is there a show called Mean Mr. Mustard? I made that up. Being for the benefit. I, of I would Mr. watch Kite. Mean Mr. Mustard. Yeah, me too. Com- Comedy I'm- Central's annual benefit from Mr. Kite. <laughs> no, being for the benefit of Mr. Kite. Human being for the benefit of Mr. Kite. Yeah. The human adventure is just beginning. <laughs> See, I almost got us back to Star Trek. Almost. <laughs> um, anyway, this my, my favorite. This is my favorite episode we've done in a while. <laughs> Al, like, what's your is, bad thing? This is what happens when we record at night. <laughs> Not quite as focused. It's coming on midnight where I am. Ah. Uh, well, my bad thing, why is Tom Paris involved in any of this? Specifically the point where he mansplains how holograms work to the two most qualified scientists on the ship. Right. Just shut up. Just sh- Uh, I can defend Tom Paris. I'm sorry, let me try that again. I can defend Tom Paris. Okay. Go on. I can defend Tom Paris. Do it. It has been established with his dumbass French bistro, that he knows how to program holodecks. So if you need... If you need a character to do holodeck programming, it makes sense, storytelling-wise, to do the one that has already been established as having that skill. That's fair. And since he is... I don't know if you've noticed, they've been working it in very subtly, but he's Harry's best friend. What? uh, They actually do play that. Like... He gets passionate. It's like, you know, this time it's personal. Okay. Um, I, and I, so I, there's I like, that. he would be involved because he would want to save the only person on the ship who's not tired of him. I get that. Or but who doesn't is, say they're tired of him. There is a scene where he actually explains how holograms work to Janeway and Taurus. And the narrative point of it is to explain to the audience how holograms work. 
but yeah, it was it's... very clumsy because those two know what holograms are. I get what you're saying. I get that he's a specific expert in in actually programming the holodeck. That's fine. But at one point he's like, but the the holodeck works by projecting light, blah, 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 blah. And like, they know this. We know this. Shut it's, up. It's like one of those X-Files episodes where Mulder explains something medical to Scully. I'm like, yeah. she's Ugh, a doctor. Yeah. yeah. She's a like, doctor it's and one she's thing smarter when, than you, Mulder. Yeah. It's one thing when Mulder explains it, when she explains FBI protocol to him because he's <laughs> terrible at his job. Yeah, because he's never like cracked open that book before. Shut personal up, favorite, Scully. This isn't about Sasquatches. Personal favorite is the episode where they're getting sued. And he's like, why do we have to go over this? Well, first of all, Mulder, I don't have $6 million. And second of all, I don't need a second of all. $6 million. <laughs> anyway, I still hate Tom Paris. Everybody Fair. should. Yep. yep, He's the worst. Nope. I think he is. If there's one thing we can take away from Voyager, it's that Tom Paris is terrible. I mean, listen, Look, we're only 10 episodes in or 12 or whatever it is. But yeah, I, I think... He's, a, he's the only one I hate. The rest of them are goofy at worst. I still think Chakotay is a wooden plank. Like, but, yes. Yeah. Chakotay's a plank. Kim, they don't know what they're doing with him yet. Paris is the only one who's bad. Yeah. Torres is kind of a nothing unless she's working with Janeway. Torres is really, really Torres is. Tor is really uh, growing on me. Yeah. I, and Kess is coming along really well, too. I like both of them. And yeah. even even fat, goofy old Neelix is... I don't dislike Neelix, and in fact, he's I doing still, his job, you know? I still enjoy watching people react to Neelix. At some yeah. point, I believe, just based on what Flonk and Gav have told us, he, he's going to turn a corner and be annoying to us. Well, mm -hmm. if he doesn't get any better, and I have to imagine, I don't know if this becomes a plot point, but I have to imagine the farther out they get in the Delta Quadrant, the less useful his knowledge is going to be. It's already pretty useless. Because as of right now, well, he, he could have warned them about the case on last week. Um, yeah, but they just kind of rolled their eyes and ignored him anyway. Uh, well, that is true. That mm -hmm. was your bad thing. <laughs> <laughs> that was well that's my point he still has useful knowledge that is being ignored and soon he's going to not even have useful knowledge so right. no because they're never going to leave that part of the delta quadrant because they're going to stop and pick flowers every five feet <laughs> flowers <laughs> that guy will be here soon enough that's not soon enough soon enough uh what else um, I'm just I, curious for what was on Deep Space Nine the same week State of Flux was on, so I'm checking on that. I okay, <laughs> just out just out of curiosity. Uh, uh, I like Jamie's oh that new one haircut. that one where Bashir turns old. Oh good. Uh, okay, oh, well, hey, you know what? <laughs> that was a week that Voyager was better yeah, than Deep Space Nine. Better. Yeah, fair it enough. happened. There you go. That makes mm -hmm. me feel good. You know. Matt, sorry, you had a you had a. Oh, I like Janeway's yes. new haircut. It doesn't. It no longer looks like somebody tried to inflate her head to do uh, to attract a mate. I yeah. Um, well, like it, it the top of it had more of a swoosh than usual instead yeah, of just. Yeah, I like a poof. that swoosh. Um, and it definitely worked for it. And there was a certain angle she stood at where you couldn't even see the bun, mm -hmm. and it looked like a little more of like a shorter, severe thing. I think it worked for her. She's a pretty severe person, and yeah. there's no harm in leaning into that a little. That's the thing is, I think she's a bit. And I don't say this is a bad thing necessarily, but she is a bit mannish looking. And well, yeah, she's a handsome woman. Yeah, she. But I think I she's think a handsome woman. The the way they the way she plays the character is not mannish. Like no. if she if she was playing it that way, that'd be fine. But she's not, and so therefore, I think the best way to dress the character and to do her hair is to do it a little more feminine. So it's kind of that nice mix of both. Mm -hmm. Whereas mm -hmm. when she has a bit more masculine hair, she just looks straight up mannish, and she doesn't play it that way, so it doesn't really jive for me you know what i mean mm -hmm. yeah i can if, see that if she played the captain butch and she looked butch that would be fine but it just it doesn't work with the way she acts you know she's always putting her hands on her hips she's very sassy <laughs> see i thought uh, my first thought was superman 
I don't remember when it happens, but one of the moments that stands out in my mind from when this first aired is at one point they speak to a, uh, you know, like a planet of Darmox that instead of metaphors, they use body language. Oh, boy. And putting your hands on your hips is like saying the worst possible thing to them. <laughs> That's pretty great. And it, it, it creates a wacky mix-em-up. She's, she's got, like, Tourette's on that planet. <laughs> That's fantastic. Look, I'm five foot nothing. There are only so many ways I can stand and look badass. I will say, a, the, a few episodes in, they had a real problem shooting her. I, I don't know if I've mentioned this on the show or not. But, like, you could tell it was the DS9 and Next Gen directors used to shooting, like, tree trunk Jonathan Frakes. Sure. And guys like that. And it's like. And big, bruising, beefy Avery Brooks. And there's, like, there's there's this huge, giant frame, like, you know, just empty space. Because her head comes to, like, you know, mid frame, maybe. And now they it's figured me, out. the captain, down here. Yeah. And now they figured out how to frame her, and she looks like that. That went a long way to make her seem more powerful. Just, like, mm-hmm. not shooting when- her to look like a little kid. In the last episode, when she was consulting um, the the Kazon, who was, you know, six yeah. foot three without the hair, um, <laughs> they shot her at slightly downward angles, which usually makes somebody look weaker. But it sort of highlighted how she was standing up to this guy who was, you know, a foot taller than her. She she had kind yeah. of a little Mac from Mike Tyson's Punch Out thing going on, where she was jumping <laughs> up and punching it. And then his uh, and then she hit him in the his bandaid on his belly button, and his pants fell down. Yep. Mm-hmm. And then his mouth turned to X's. And then everyone got super racist. Yep. And his hair pulsates when he's about to punch you. Mm-hmm. Now I want to play punch out. His face taint pulsates when it's about to punch you. Mac, you got to join the Nintendo Fun Club. Chakotay, join the Nintendo Fun Club. There is a Chakotay boxing episode on the way. Uh, that might be okay. I, can I, hope, see it, it I hope it fights the uh, Battlestar Galactica, Galactica boxing episode. <laughs> He actually fights the episode? <laughs> you want, I, I want episode these two episodes to, an episode to box or you want each other. Chakotate. Oh, okay. So both episodes are boxing against each other. Yeah. I, I I'm just picturing, like, the Memory Alpha article and the Battlepedia or whatever it's called articles <laughs> just, like, standing. I mean, Galact- Galactopedia makes a little more sense. Mm-hmm. No, I think it's Battlestarpedia. Probably. Someone look that up for us. We don't want to look it up ourselves. The, the post-atomic Battlestar. Yes. That's the name Matt would give it, because that's the name he gives it. Because that's how he yep. operates. Yep. It is called Battlestar Wiki. That's boring. That's that terrible. Is, that is boring. Come on, guys. Take a cue from Wikipedia. <laughs> yeah, Wikipedia is the it's one. the best beat. one. Nobody's going to beat that. That's Memory right. Alpha's good. Mm. Uh, yeah, that's pretty good, because it's an in-universe it's, thing. Exactly. Yeah. Like, Lost didn't they have a computer in Battlestar Galactica or something? No, they didn't. That's the point. They had tapes and stuff. Oh, yeah, that's right. What what the Deadly Games wiki is called? There isn't one. No. It's called Brian. I don't know. Brian. You maintain it, so. Yeah. Time time to get writing. <laughs> what did you call it? You know what the main villain's name was? Sebastian Jackal. God, I hate the 90s so much. <laughs> 1995. <laughs> right in the thick of them. Just, just hate them. Uh, anything else about this episode? Hey, Brian, do you have a quote? Oh, I yeah. do have a, I do have a quote. This is, uh, this I, I, I quite enjoyed. This is, um, um, the doctor somehow managing to be completely in character, threatening somebody by promising not to hurt them, and that is impressive. The only reason you won't die is that I've taken an oath to do no harm. Yeah. No, it's it works. And, you know, since you don't have the visual, he's holding a sword to the guy's neck. And he's holding a torch. He takes the torch from somebody and walks up to the guy. And the guy's terrified because he's wearing a really cheap fake beard and it's about to light on fire. And the doctor just holds the sword up and the guy, like, backs away. 
God, yeah. those were bad fake beards. The extras had real beards. Yeah, the beards seem to really bother you. They, they, well, I mean, you know, I've worked in the theater. I had to wear a fake mustache a few weeks back, and you it know, was... You know, Brian, men can just grow facial hair. You know, that, you know right? what? Not in a day, and I don't want to walk around. Listen, I was playing Egghead from uh, from Batman. I did not want to just walk around the place with a shaved head and a mustache, like so know. much G. Gordon Liddy. I think that'd be a good look for you. Yeah, I, I concur. I'll be honest, I didn't look bad. You've seen the pictures on Facebook, I'm sure. Yeah. Chase Masterson was there. God damn it. <laughs> she, was, she was nice. Kind of a diva, How but like in a nice way. How do you get to play Egghead and meet Chase Masterson? Why do you have the life I want? Well, those are, oh, those I... are related, Matt. You don't get to meet Chase Masters unless you're dressed as Egghead. <laughs> I didn't. I didn't. I didn't get to meet her. I got. To, I got to look at her from across the room. Uh, I had lunch with John Wesley Shipp, though. I don't know who that is. Is he from no, Deadly Games? <laughs> the Flash. Ah. He was oh, the, the Flash, Flash on the '90s Flash, and oh, he's the, the Flash's Flash. dad on the current Flash. Ah. And I don't want to meet him as much as I want to meet current Flash. Short Round was there too. I but, you were going to uh, say Colonel Clink for some reason. <laughs> we did. We just kept. We just kept. Short Round was there, and we just kept passing each other on the way in and out of the uh, out of the guest room. What's he doing now? Um. Comic Cons. Well, fair enough. Well, he was also in Goonies, so yeah, he was. I'm, he I'm pretty sure he's doing all right for himself. Yeah, he was Data. Oh, sure. If you're in two mov- hit movies from 30 years ago, I'm sure you have money for the rest of your life. Yep. I I mean, there's residuals. I suppose those are those are not just hit movies. Those are my students have seen. No, those uh, are the two big, two of the biggest movies of the 90s. Yeah. Granted, but or 80s rather, but mm. still. My my students have all seen Goonies, and they are woefully film illiterate, except for that one that watched The Crow. Um, <laughs> I was I was talking about that in the pre-show. Um, Brandon but, uh, Lee Jr. They've seen uh, they've they've seen very few things. Half of them haven't even seen Star Wars, well, and yet for some reason they've all seen The Goonies. That is weird. Yeah. I yeah. I recently went on a uh, mini vacation down the Oregon coast, and every single thing I took a picture of, people said, "Is that from Goonies? Is that from? Goonies? <laughs> no, not everything is from Goonies. God damn it!" Anyway, Star Trek. It's one of those inexplicably popular things like Space Jam. I, uh, fucking nineties. I hate Space Jam. I hate the nineties. I just want to throw that out there right now. Space Jam represents it's like that time I, I went to Vancouver. It's like that time I went to Vancouver, and every time I took a picture of something, people were like, "Is that from Deadly Games?" Brian, why don't you tell us about your blog that is not uh, about Deadly my Games? My blog is somehow not related to Deadly Games. Oh. Uh, it is uh, allthedisneymovies.blogspot.com, reviewing uh, currently non-Disney movies, despite the title. Um, for once, my being a little bit behind is uh, not my own fault. My sister's writing a guest blog on Fievel Goes West. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, mm-hmm. I'm uh, going to jump ahead of her a little and do We're Back a Dinosaur Story. Oh, God. Because uh, I like The movie with the new. most terrifying ending of any children's movie I can remember. That movie, I don't want to spoil for people that are going to read it, but that movie, John Malkovich called it a like an artistic masterpiece that was ruined by Hollywood executives. Huh. And I knew about that going in, and I watched it, and I'm like, this was an insane fever dream uh-huh. that was I, ruined by Hollywood executives. He's right about that. I haven't but. seen anything that terrifying since I watched the Raggedy Ann and Andy movie. <laughs> I still haven't seen that, and I've heard it's just oh, nightmarish. Dude. But no, uh, you know what? I'll just tell people. At the end, uh, the bad guy is eaten alive by crows on screen. Yeah. Okay, but... For no reason. But Time Bandits ends with the main character's parents blowing up right in front of him. And then we that just is, and then we just zoom out and everything's over. That is pretty rough, but at least blowing up is fast, and they're not devoured alive by crows with only one of their eyes left. Wow! And then a crow flies down and picks up the eye. I guess that's true. The well, eye is a screw. Yeah, the, the guy's eye name is, is Screw Eyes. 
Wow, we have talked about Star Trek not at all in this show. You know it's that? weird. It's a good episodes. Yeah. It's a good episode. It's good episodes. Guys, I'm not going to lie. I'm pretty proud of this episode. <laughs> I feel good. I feel Fair good enough. about it. I got to spread the gospel of deadly games. Uh, yeah, I'm editing all of that out. No. I'm bleeping it. I got a whole letter to write you about that. People, people will not know. I, I won't read it. Just like the whole giant letter full of DS9 stuff that is no longer valid. Yeah, yeah, I sent that a little too late. I think you can usually record on Saturday. No. It's life. We were preparing for a live show, so we had to get it done early, which reminds me, our next live show is October 17th. Indeed it is. Covering the first two episodes of season two of Voyager, Mm -hmm. one of which involves Janeway meeting Amelia Earhart, so... Hmm, that's not Hooray. Hey, listen, if nothing else, we get to see someone dressed as Amelia Earhart. That's pretty hot. Yeah, uh, I mean she's all right. I got she's not like she's not like right? Amy Adams in Night at the Museum, but she's all right. Still, I will take the trappings. All right. In any case, we will be recording at the Pocket Theater as in Seattle. Uh, information is on our website. Uh, it is a pay what you will uh, thing, so like donate a couple of bucks to the venue, but there's no actual ticket costs. Feel free to get a beer or whatever while you're there. Yeah, please do. I did. Uh, get here. Have yourself a beer. Yeah. yeah, the the Pocket is great. Like it's a it's a great little uh, black box theater here mm-hmm. in Seattle. That supports local comedy and they are graciously letting us do this at no cost but yeah. uh, sort of the upshot of that is you guys should give them some money to, to thank them for that yeah. so our last episode was a lot of fun so. it is it was and and we're hoping now that matt's a little closer a little more accessible that we can do these maybe every every couple of months or something yeah. like that and uh, you know, season premieres maybe yeah mm-hmm. that could be a thing i would at some point not not this time but at some point soon like to do one of our uh supplementals there that would be, be cool, good. yeah. Like, with the audience actually asking questions, and we might even be able to stream that and get people mm-hmm. to ask stuff, like, in real time. Yeah. Which I think would be cool. And I certainly hope to get over and see you sometime, and I think that everybody listening should, too. That would be nice. Yes, uh, it would. Yeah. Little, but, little vacation, walk along the Pike Place Market, and watch people throwing fish. Yeah. Seattle. Un- unless, it's a good place. Unless you're Matt, in which case they won't do it for you. I've still never I've, seen them throw that fish. I've seen I seen it once, and it's like the third time I went, <laughs> and I finally saw it. The only time I've ever seen it happen is on an episode of Frasier. All right then. Fra- Did Frasier take place in Seattle? I never it- noticed they were so subtle. <laughs> I've never seen Frasier either because I hate the nineties. <laughs> oh, it's great. All right, Frasier was Frasier was on Star Trek, and you know what else he was on? Not Deadly Games. That was a fake out. Okay, Matt, we gotta go. Say your thing. <laughs> See you, folks. The Post-Atomic Horror Podcast is a co-production of Ron Algar-Watt and Matt Robotham. Copyright 2015. Please don't sue us. We're just doing this. 